More snow, more rain, and flooding. That's what many Californians are facing this week. And we even had a little dousing of snow this morning, didn't we? Yeah. Perhaps you're tired of all this water. Today our promised treasure's object is water. And you are probably hoping for something more exciting, like milk or honey, perhaps. Well, that's coming later. Today, it's good old, plain, everyday water. Next to the air we breathe, water is the primary element in God's creation. Without fresh water, your body cannot be sustained. Water comes in different elements, depending on its use and temperature. When water is frozen, it's a solid We put ice and beverages and snow falls on the mountains, sometimes down here. When water is above freezing, it's a liquid. We shower with it, we drink it, we bathe in it and wash our clothes and wash our dishes with it. Finally, when water is heated, boiled, it evaporates and becomes a gas. Sounds like a third grade science lesson, doesn't it? (laughs) But water is everywhere in our lives. You know this. Sometimes it's in places we don't want it to be because it's also powerful and destructive. At creation, God separated the waters above from the waters below to make land before he made the first people. And when I go to the beach, whether it's with a youth group or just with Jill or wherever, uh, pastor's conferences, whatever, I love to stand on the beach and look west out into the Pacific Ocean, and and you see the sky going out and the water, and and you can see where they meet, right? And I like to think, wow, at one time, they were together. They were one element, and then God separated the two. It's amazing. Well, much later after the creation, God told Noah that he would flood the entire earth until the highest mountain was 20 feet below the surface of the water. Now, if you think it's amazing if Mount Hood was covered, think about Mount Everest. It's a lot of water. Of course, then, we also have to face the fact that the surface of the earth was probably a lot different than it was for the flood. So, I don't know, maybe Everest came after that. Who knows? Nevertheless, it was a lot of water. God destroyed everything because of the wickedness of man. But he made a promise to save Noah and his family. Let's fast forward then to Moses. After Moses and all the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea with dry feet, practically, right? God delivered a deadly blow to Egypt's army with a lot of water. The walls of the sea literally slammed shut on them, crushing and drowning an entire army. Water circulates often in the Bible in large and small ways. Sometimes there's flooding, and then sometimes there's washing and watering and healing, refreshing, cleansing, and reshaping. Under Joshua, God led Israel into the promised land when he parted the Jordan River. Now, for those of you who have been to Israel, you know, the Jordan is no Columbia River. It's pretty small. Compared, nevertheless, God parted those waters too. It would take us weeks, months to engineer something to part even the Jordan River. Then in the days of the kings, Elisha healed, well, we call him Naaman, but 
uh, in the Hebrew, it's probably more like Naaman. He was a Syrian army commander, and he had leprosy. And, and Naaman was able, through the, with the power of God, to, to heal, be healed from leprosy. Because he was, he, he was, Elisha had him dip himself in the waters of the Jordan River seven times. When Israel was thirsty, Moses sweetened the bitter waters of the Marah and made water flow from a hard rock. That was when we had a school here. I did a chapel lesson one day. We had a rock out there by the education building, and there happened to be a faucet and a hose nearby. And I thought, wow, let me hook the faucet underneath that rock, and I'll talk about this story about how Moses hit the rock with the staff, and the water came out of the rock. God made water came out, and all the people of Israel in the desert, dry, hot desert, were, had water to drink. So I had Axel Gruen, the principal, go over to the tap, and I said, now when I tell you, turn the water on. And I said, and I read the story, and then when Moses hits the rock with the stick, I said, Axel, turn the water on. And it came on. Kids were not impressed. <laughs> they were like, oh, you put that uh, hose there. Of course I did. Like, I'm not Moses. I can't actually make water come out of this rock. I'm just doing this to show you. Kids are so, they're so critical. God always refreshes his people as the psalmist prays. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. That's Psalm 42. Isaiah even invited God's people to be refreshed. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's Isaiah 55. In the New Testament... Jesus, your Savior and Helper, launched His ministry in water at His baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Just as Israel had crossed it long before that under the hand of their Helper and Savior Joshua to enter the Promised Land, so Jesus enters the Jordan to baptize you and give you the Promised Land of Heaven. Even though Naaman, the Gentile leader, balked at Elijah's word for healing, he eventually dipped himself into that same cleansing Jordan River seven times, and his leprosy just evaporated right in front of him. Dear friends, Jesus still washes all your sins away today in the waters of your baptism. And Jesus gives you the promised land of heaven. Although Jesus had no sin, he immersed himself in this sinful world to fulfill in human flesh all that Israel and that we cannot do. It's no accident that water is everywhere in Jesus' ministry. Think of his first miracle that he ever did, the wedding, <coughs> excuse me, at Cana. He turned water into wine to refresh the wedding guests. You'd think it'd be the opposite way around, right? <laughs> The wine refreshed the guests. Then Jesus lovingly encourages Nicodemus, as you just heard, to be born of water and the Spirit. But to our utter astonishment, Jesus also offers living water to the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember that story? When Jesus sees the lame, uh, 
the guy who could not walk, he, hears that, he heals that guy who had been waiting 38 years to get into the pool of Bethesda there in Jerusalem. Jesus, remembering how God gave the Israelite water in the wilderness, says to the crowd at the Feast of the Tabernacles, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Interesting, isn't it? We often think, we often remember Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, often from John, right? Feed on me, I am the bread of life. He also says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus also walks on water, on the lake in Galilee, and washes the disciples' feet with water. Finally, Jesus allows water and blood to pour forth from his side as he hangs on the cross. And all this water is, do you think all this water is simply coincidental? Absolutely not. It's reasonable and it's rhythmic. You hear it over and over again. Water is woven throughout the Bible, pointing you to Jesus, even though not every passage is directly about baptism. As St. Paul concludes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses and the cloud and in the sea. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. I hadn't realized before that when I did that little message out there with the school children that water came from the rock, that was a foreshadowing, a pointing to Christ. Even St. Peter states that just as God saved Noah and his family by water, so your baptism now saves you. Dear friends, your heavenly Father reshapes and rewashes you every day with the water of your baptism. Like a piece of moistened clay, he is conforming you into the image of his Son, before the scriptures were even fully recorded for all of God's people to see and hear, the early church fathers used physical water to touch and teach, which you can do, well, on the first Sundays of the month when we have communion. I put the font out here where you can put the water on your forehead and remind yourself you are baptized. That water continually runs over you and cleanses you from your sin. This is where you were once, the font here is where you were once born and where you were joyfully reborn every day. Jesus is your vine who grafted you into himself and his church by water. In him you live and move and have your very being. Just as your mother's womb so beautifully protected you in water when God knitted you together, as the psalmist says in Psalm 139. The Holy Spirit protects you in the womb now of your new mother, the church. If you were asked to ask a potter how he makes a beautiful pottery vase, he would tell you it's the water that does it, right? The water helps form it, makes the clay moldable before it's put in the oven and hardened. In the same way, your potter, Heavenly Father, works in you by the Holy Spirit each day 
to reshape your life into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Your old Adam is drowned so that a new you is reshaped. This is why Martin Luther says in the Catechism, the old Adam in us should be daily drowned and died through our contrition and repentance. And that a new man or woman should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Just as the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of creation to bring life, so He fills you with new life in Jesus now and every day. I hope you believe that. I do. This is what Lent is all about. Drowning an old you so that a new you arises. During the Lent, the church is full of purple. Made a mistake at the earlier service today and said people. Yeah, it's full of people. Not purple people. <laughs> it's full of purple, reminding us of Christ's suffering and death because he wore a purple robe that was thrown on him as a jest, as a joke, right? Because he said he was a king, king of the Jews. So they threw a, pur a purple robe on him. It wasn't his. But we will not stay at the crucifixion forever. We will arise anew from our tomb this Easter with Jesus. What needs to be drowned in you today? Does it affect your marriage, your family, your relationships? Are you more like moldable clay to be reshaped by water or like, I don't know, hard pottery needing to be crushed, like the kind I talked about this last Sunday at Jerusalem. Jesus Christ was crucified with all of it. Your sin was nailed to his cross. His blood was shed for you, and he was buried with your sins too. Jesus Christ, your vine, your rock, your shepherd, died so that you live in sin no longer. Go now, washed anew today forgiven of all your sins. Fix your eyes on Jesus and be refreshed by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen.